Well, July 4th wasn't too good if you're a Rays fan as they lose to the Phillies by a score of 3-1 to one at the drop. Uh, the Phillies continue to roll, particularly on the road. Ten consecutive road wins. Pretty crazy. Must be nice. Uh, but there were some good news off the field that we will also get to. And, of course, we've got mailbacks, including a voice memo. So let's get started right now. You are Locked On Rays, your daily Tampa Bay Rays podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, my name is Kevin Weiss. I'm Ulysses Sombrano. And we're the host of the Locked On Rays podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for making us your very first listen every day. Be sure to check out and subscribe to our YouTube channel at Locked On Rays, as well as all the other podcasting platforms. We're also on social media, Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Rays. And send us a mailbag question, concern, or hot take, LockedOnRays at gmail.com. Well, it was a pitcher's duel between best buds Aaron Nola and Zach Eflin, uh, but Nola got the edge there as the Phillies win by a score of three to one. They improved to 45 and 39 on the year. The race fall to 57 and 31 still, I believe the best record in baseball for the race, but flat offensively is probably a good way to put it for Tampa Bay. And I got to be honest as the game, I was at the game yesterday. And as we got into the middle and then later innings, it was like, I don't know if they're going to score a run. And if they score a run, I don't think it's going to be enough to beat the Phillies. Like, even though it was close throughout the entirety of the game, it just seemed like the Phillies had the edge in the momentum and the Rays weren't going to do anything against uh, Aaron Nola and squandering opportunities. They had chances and they just could not capitalize. And then uh, I basically said it out loud once, uh, well, after the uh, Wander Franco air that, open things up for Philadelphia and put a damper on the Rays and allowed them to put another uh, run or two on the board. And then the Rays bring on Jalen Beeks. It's like, uh, let's just go home early at this point. Like they're, they're not going to win this game now. Yeah. I mean, you know, Jalen, I know that we all know, we all should know that Kevin Cash does not um, follow leads or, or looks for leads. Well, I don't know what the, the, the wording is. Chase, chases chase. wins. Chase. That's the right chase wins. Uh, so yeah, like you said, I mean, there's, there's an opportunity for, for run scoring uh, against the Rays, and you put Jalen Beeks on, you know, uh, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't take, uh, Einstein to figure out what's going to happen most likely than not. But again, that's not the issue. It wasn't Beeks, Beeks wasn't the issue, the offense. And yet it's really not the offense. The issue is Nola, man. Like sometimes, yeah. The other team also drives nice cars. I don't know where I got that phrase, but I got it from somewhere, and I don't remember where I got it. But those, those other guys also get paid to do well. Ernola is a tremendous pitcher. He hasn't had a tremendous season, but he showed what he can do when he's on. And at a point, I feel like he was striking out like five in a row, like early yeah. in the game. It was nuts, man. Well, when nuts. you get some bad swings from the likes of Wander Franco chasing, uh, chasing, swinging at a curveball down and in like that, you know you're on point, whether it's the curve or the fastball up. Uh, there's a reason why that the Rays just couldn't punch anything in when they left, I believe, seven on base and then 
were one for seven with runners in scoring position. So sometimes when you're on, you're just really on. And it was funny because I mentioned this on uh, yesterday's episode that one thing that I was going to watch out for and I will continue to watch out for in this series is the Phillies defense or lack thereof. And I wonder if it will start to unfold at some point over the course of this series at the drop. We know about national league teams coming into those confines and having difficulty. And it was a little bit wishy-washy because you had Trey Turner who missed a play that he makes, you know, 99 out of a hundred times. Um, yeah. So there, that was one side of the coin. The other side of the coin was just one of the, the best plays I think I've seen uh, from a center fielder this season, not named Jose Siri and Brandon Marsh and making a play like that. Um, so there, yeah. there were some good spotlight moments defensively for the Phillies there. I'll be curious to see if they can keep it up, but yeah, I mean, Aaron Nola, that's sometimes you just run into a bustle and if a guy, you know, that's going to be one of Nola's two or three best starts of the year. It might wind up being yeah. his best start of the yeah. year. And it's not like he's some scrub. Um, he's had a very good pedigree and very good career. I know his ERA isn't quite up to par this year compared to previous years. Um, and at first I was thinking, well, maybe is he is the ERA not indicative of the season he's having, but the FIP is actually very similar to what his ERA is. But I did notice on the scoreboard when I was at the game, his first pitch strike percentage is like above 90%. It's amazing. So he gets ahead and that's, yeah. once you get, you know, Oh one that, that usually lends itself to pretty good things. And he got a, uh, a free strike. At least one that I can remember was wonder Franco of the umpires. Uh, yeah, with uh, with the timing issue. Oh yeah. Um, well, that was the other thing too. Is um, and just I, I mean, you know, you're watching a game at a ballpark. It's hard to see every angle and instance. And uh, was the issue that bit of called a ball versus a strike? But it seemed like the umpire wanted to to see some fireworks early on because he well, was calling strikes left and right. The, and, and the low strike zone too. I mean, he was just saying everything was a strike. Uh, I I thought when you um. Good point on the de- on the defense. You said you were going to keep an eye out. Um, we also said we would keep an eye out uh, an eye out on how the the Phillies would attack Brennan Lau. Mm-hmm. And I saw a whole lot of breaking ball and off speed. Uh, I saw fastballs either la- down in the zone or up in the zone. So uh, that's a, that's kind of like a recipe of if the guys can command their, their breaking pitches, their off speed, uh, that's probably what they're going to do. And if they're going to hit him in a fastball, it would be in the edges of the up and down zone or to get ahead. Yes. Uh, which So <laughs> did you read the Topkin article on it, by the way? I did not. I just saw the line oh of Brandon Lau going one for four with three strikeouts, and it's tough to – your return to the majors after so much time off and dealing with the back issue and rehab and recovery. And it's like, you're facing a guy's caliber of Aaron Nola on his best day of the year. My, my yes. But my thing is Mark Topkin, if he wasn't a sports writer, dude would be a stand up comedian. He's funny. Oh, yeah. Topkin's funny. And, and so look at this. I'll, I'll read you guys this, this um, second paragraph. Lau started at second in Tuesday's 3-1 loss to the Phillies, singling in his first at-bat, then striking out his next three, and looked healthy. <laughs> oh, yeah. So tell me, tell me that's not cheeky Topkin right there. That is very cheeky Topkin, yeah. That's great. 
It's very on brand for Brandon Lau. Healthy or unhealthy, he will strike out and usually yes. strike out on breaking balls or off speed. We have seen that historically. All right, we have more to discuss. Uh, I can talk a little bit about some of my observations from going to the trop and uh, some good news uh, on the race end of things as well. But first, we have to tell you this. Uh, are you using the Sleeper app for daily fantasy baseball? I am, and everybody else should be as well. Uh, it gives you examples like you know, choosing Vladimir Guerrero or Aaron Judge to go yard or taking Shohei Otani to strike out X number of batters versus the other opponent. Uh, it's really fun stuff. And if you want to win 100 times your money on Daily Fantasy Baseball, Sleeper is now offering up to 100 times payout for up to an eight-pick contest. Choose as many as eight players that you like and pick more or less on your favorite baseball stars like home runs, strikeouts, hits, and more. Get your picks right, and you could win big. So you can really tie this into the raise end of things. Uh, so go ahead, get ready. Use that promo code locked on L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. All right, uh, getting to the game a little bit more. Of course, the Rays lose. And just a couple of observations I had from going to uh, the TROP. Um, I was able to park not in the Rays stadium, but in adjacent parking garage within walking distance for only $10. So that was a heck of a deal. And you would you get to have your car in the shade and very easy access to the interstate. So that's a little pro tip right there. If you see a parking garage, multi-level parking garage near the trap, uh, near the trap, take advantage of that. Uh, if you can, um, large crowd, I think everybody could see that on television. A lot of 22K. 22,000, yeah. man. It was great. It almost felt like more, I mean, based on just looking around. And uh, yeah, it was it was really good. That's that's what you want and expect on a July 4th game with the Phillies coming into town. A lot of Phillies fans, I will acknowledge that. A lot of loud, obnoxious uh, Phillies fans. In fact, it, it seemed like uh, Nola kind of got a quasi-standing ovation um, after his exit because it was just um, that crazy. Um one thing I wanted to highlight, uh, so we are sitting in section 215. Uh, I usually try to get the end of a row, um, the the aisle seat, so easy to get in and get out. Mm -hmm. um, but we were kind of stuck in the middle there. Uh, I remember we did the, the baseball pet peeve episode a week or two ago, and somebody brought up this point, and I can't hammer it enough how much I agree with it now. Um, just people moving in and out to get concessions or use the restroom in between innings and yeah. not just in between innings when like Wander Franco's up, Bryce Harper's up, Randy Rosarena's up, Trey Turner's up. Like you're missing everything. And there's no, there's no, I, I think that maybe the baseball IQ isn't there. Like to know that, Hey, this is important. You should be watching yeah. this, or at least you should be letting us watch it. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, I I 100% agree with you. And uh, Mia France also had a, a pet peeve saying that she hates when uh, she goes to the trop and there are 
a lot of or even maybe more shirts or jerseys of the other team yeah. than the Rays at the Trop. And that could have been, you know, she could have hated yesterday's game because if you're it, saying that he got a standing ovation, then. Yeah it, yeah, it definitely seemed that way. At least the section that we were in, it was surrounded by Phillies fans, uh, unfortunately. Um, believe it or not, talk about a blast from the past a little bit. We are sitting next to a relative of, do you remember this player, Eric Kratz? Wow, yeah. yeah. He had like a little cup of coffee with the Rays in 2019. Yeah, and then I think he played for the Phillies as well, but um, the guy was wearing a Kratz jersey or jersey. Wow. And I didn't really put two and two together. I guess once he went to the bathroom, he talked to my fiance, and that's how I got the lowdown on the story because it's not like Kratz is like that. Un- like, I just wouldn't have made that connection. Like, who has an air? I just thought it was the guy's last name. And that's yeah, what it was. Yeah. So, um, so that was kind of interesting from that perspective. But yeah, otherwise, a, uh, a good, um, Good environment, good crowd at the Trop. Unfortunately, uh, saw the Rays lose. But, uh, yeah, take advantage of that parking garage if you can. So that, that's really all I have for the uh, observations from well, uh, my time at the ballpark uh, outside of um, – we'd mentioned in the first segment, uh, Wander Franco's air. We should also notice yeah. uh, and note that he hit a home run to try to get the Rays back into the fold, back in the ball game. the classic – getting lift, getting elevation, opposite field, homer from the left side. We've seen that a time or two this season. And right after the game, I believe it was announced and official that he is an all-star in 2023. As he should be. We we talked about this on the snubbed episode. He was snubbed. The benching was probably a reason. And that he would ultimately get in. All of those three things apparently are true. Well, mm-hmm. he did get in. He did get snubbed. And the middle one that was the benching uh, a cause for him not getting in uh, through the players vote. He even wondered this. It's on the Topkin article uh, that he thought that maybe that's that that might have been an issue. Yeah. From 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 that standpoint of, of him getting kind of reprimanded by by the disciplinary actions brought by cash and company. So, um, you know, again, hopefully that that's behind him little by little and he can enjoy himself in Seattle Four guys going to the all star game. That's pretty cool. It would be cooler if they had maybe one more spot for the race uh, to to kind of show how good they have been this whole uh, season. I mean, the Rangers have the most in the AL. They're going with six dudes. Uh, yeah. But then that's, again, that's the power of voting, right? Uh, if you vote, you see your 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 players on there. If you don't, well, you can just keep being a keyboard warrior saying how they were snubbed, but you didn't really do that much. Right. No, I think that's very fair. And hopefully one of many more to come for Wander Franco and uh, as Kevin Cash pointed out in the post game, one of the big factors besides the war and the numbers and the performance offensively and defensively is he's been healthy this season. Yeah. Uh, he's played what 81 games and all of last year he played 83 games. So if you get wandered a post, I mean, if, if we're just banking and going forward and saying, okay, we know that this number of years he'll play, you know, 148 plus games. Like, I will bank that he'll be an all-star in a lot of those years. 
and again, we all know this. He was benched for two days. So two days right. of the ones that he didn't participate was <laughs> mandatory. It was mandated. Uh, so he could have even been playing more games. So it, that that's crazy. So good. For yeah. Him for um, okay. So quick question and uh, hit it up in the comments if you can or if you want to. Wander Franco by the end of his career over under seven all-star appearances. That's tough. That's tough. So can he either be six or fewer or eight or more? I'm going, you know what? I'm feeling positive this morning. Although realistically, I want to say under seven all-stars is a ton. And it's an, it's an adjective ton. I just can't say the adjective, but it's a ton. Yes. I'm going to say under probably like five or six and five or six is it's not bad people before you, 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 you kill me in the comments. A dude that has five or six all-star nominations is insane. Okay. So I'm going under. Yeah. Uh, Moises Alou had six all-star appearances. Harold Baines had six. Jose Bautista had six. Lance Berkman had six. Bobby Benilla. Benilla had six. Ryan Braun had six. There's a lot of guys who have name, name recognition that only got uh, six all-star bursts. It's definitely nothing. Only got six? Come on. Dude. Yeah. Six is insane. Chase Utley got six. I'm just... Hey, look, let's say three. let's say Wander has a 18-year career. If he gets six, that's 33% of his career. And I think maybe people are, are still saying that that's low. I don't know. Future Hall like of Famer Joey Votto has six. Exactly. Joey Votto is a Hall of Famer, will be a Hall of Famer, and he's got six. So I'm okay with him being. Your boy Maglio Ordonez, Miguel Tejada, Joe Mauer. That's surprising. Okay. Kenny Lofton. Joe Mauer should be a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, that is uh, definitely something not to sneeze at. Are you going over uh, or are you going under? Well, you made a pretty cogent argument, but (laughs) I will say over just based on the fact of I am going along with my hypothesis that he won't be in a raised uniform for his entire career. So he winds up on the Red Sox or the Yankees and gets a, a birth or two or three that way. That's, 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 uh, yeah, I can see that. I can see that perspective yeah. uh, when he gets, starts to get too expensive. And now we know that everybody in the comments is going to say, Yuli is wrong. Okay. Yeah. Six is too few. We're expecting 10, 12. So, all right, fine. Be like that in the comments. Put me down, whatever. I don't yep, care. There we go. All right. Uh, mailbag question. Uh, this is from Cody, correct? Yes. All right. Let's get to it. Hey, guys. This is Cody. Um, I'm currently watching the game on Sunday against the Mariners, and the the play in the third inning just happened where the runner coming from second base France ran into Paredes at third base while he was trying to field a ground ball. Uh, immediately when this happened, I thought that was obstruction and the fielder always has the right of way to the ball and that the runner would be out. And I even saw the the third base umpire look like it signaled he was out uh, after they pulled Paredes off the field. They instead awarded the runner third base and the Mariners had first and third with one out and then proceeded to score four runs to almost tie the game. At that point, we were up five runs. I don't know what's going to happen now because it's the game's not over yet. But anyways, my question is, 
I I don't understand. I don't really consider myself an expert on the sport, but I thought that was a pretty obvious play. And Cash even argued it for a little bit, but it didn't seem like he put up much of a fight. And the umpires, I just don't see how you have all these umpires on the field and none of them come together to to overrule the play or anything like that. I just I I don't see how this obstruction is not a rule here. And if you can just run over any player while they're about to catch a ball then wouldn't wouldn't every team just it wouldn't baseball be a contact sport anyways uh that I just wanted to get your thoughts if you thought it should have been called obstruction if it shouldn't have been it kind of it blew the game open right after that play so it was a pretty big deal um hopefully we win but anyways love the show guys thanks all right Ulysses what do you think on this matter yeah, we didn't get time to get into it on Monday. We just briefly mentioned it, but I don't see how that should go the Mariners' way at all. In fact, there's like a before and after picture on when the ball is hit and where France is on the base running path and then where he the collision ends up happening. The collision ends up happening by the grass. Mm. Like, what are we doing here? Um, I... I I don't see it. I know that um, even Evan Klosky put a, a video with his thoughts on it, which is really good. You guys should check it out. Uh, you know, that he was maybe France was trying to do the whole, let me jump over the ball so that I can, you know, um, distract Paredes. But yeah. it, it, he didn't do that. And besides, it should be the on the onus of the, of the base runner. Like he's the one that's running. He's the one that's seeing what's happening in front of him. He shouldn't have. To, I, mean, I mean, I just don't see why he would just want to go right into the fielder. Like, there's a whole lot of lane on the right, and that's where you started. Like, I, I don't see how it was uh, counted against the race. It, it is. I don't understand why. Yeah. I don't think so. I guess uh, you know it's it's one of those tough, quirky players uh, plays that you have every so often. The ruling was the ball already went past Paredes as I guess contact was made and that meant that Paredes was actually obstructing Ty France and not the way the other way around as uh, it was ruled but yeah and just looking at the replay it looked like Ty France was laser focused at the base and was trying to cut the corner of it um, and then you see him kind of push and nudge uh, Paredes at the last moment I don't know why I would I you're, I know that Ty France is a big guy, but Paredes is a big guy too. I would not want a collision like that. I would do anything to try to avoid that or deke that if I could. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't have a really a strong opinion on it one way or the other. Um, it's it's over and done with now. I mean, the big thing at the end of the day is that Paredes isn't hurt because that could have very, you know, another, you know, if France was going a little bit, faster or harder or Paredes turned you know angled a different way then Paredes yeah. could have some broken ribs and or a concussion in that a neck issue too like you know yeah. the neck was very sensitive so you could he could have gotten hurt that way and Ty actually comes up with like his forearm yeah so g- very good to see uh, Isak on uh in the lineup right away uh, after that play in, in Tuesday's game so that's good he apparently he probably he's sore and there's yeah. no way he's not sore, but at least he can play. So, so that's good. But yeah, Cody, uh, unfortunate. Uh, I, I, I do see it. You know, I think that ruling of like the ball being passed, it's, 
really semantics at that point because I think it, I think by the time the contact is, he misplays it because he sees this massive right. human being onto his in his peripheral. You know that that would get to you. So it's unfortunate, but like you said, it's things that happen on the on, in a ball game, and so you just have to go through it. Yeah, and Cody did make a good point. Is you know moments like that can kind of you know not deflate, but change the complexion and situation of a game where I guess the Mariners piled on another couple runs after that too so, and it did and it yeah. did that, that that was the 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 whole change of the, uh, the inflection of the game plus you said it on two on monday's uh, episode you also have taj bradley a young pitcher in a kind of like a situation of high leverage and now he has to like just think and mm-hmm. think and think and think and not throw like yeah that was the inflection point of the yeah. game unfortunately, but you know, and, and that's the whole point. I mean, in sports, I seen the kicker, like somebody's in a groove and they're and doing anything to slow them down and delay them is going yeah. to affect and hamper their ability. Like, I mean, as a golfer, it is not fun when you're rolling and you hit a good shot or two in a row and you have to wait, you know, eight minutes for the next shot because you're waiting on the group ahead of you. So right. um, anytime there's a situation like that, I mean, pitchers don't like to wait (laughs) they you know they even if the offense you know you're sitting on the bench uh and the your team goes off and scores four or five six runs it's like man i sat in the dugout for 30 minutes i don't know if i feel like you know going out again i'm not you know i i wish i could have gone out a little bit more quickly so um it's definitely an impact as well so uh yeah no cody thank you for the question keep them coming we love the voice memos uh always appreciate that uh 60 seconds or fewer if you can lockdownrays at gmail.com uh in the meantime hope you all have a wonderful day stay safe and we will talk to you tomorrow